Praise be to the Lord. And uh, <clears throat> it's indeed a privilege to share God's word yet one more time in this wonderful church. And before we go into God's word, let's uh, pray. <clears throat> Our loving Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for this time of worship and thanksgiving. Father, we now come before you, O Lord, looking for the bread from heaven, the word which is able to strengthen us, which is able to give us more encouragement and strength in our spiritual life. We pray that every one of us will be able to pay keen attention to the word that comes to us. The Holy Spirit will take the word and minister to our hearts to the areas where we need to grow, where we need to be strengthened, where we need more encouragement. We commit this time in your hands, O Lord. Let man's wisdom, man's explanation be null and void. Let your word alone create in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would like some help from you in reading the Bible verses as I just quote. Please keep your Bibles ready. Okay. First, I will let us turn to John chapter 4, verse 9. And somebody else can turn to Luke chapter 17, verse 16. John chapter 4, verse 9. Okay, can somebody else turn to Luke chapter 17, verse 16, and, yeah. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Now another two more verses, Luke chapter 10, verse 33, and Luke chapter 9, verse 52. Luke 10, 33, and Luke 9, 52. Luke 9.52. In all these four verses, there is one word which is common. It is the Samaritan. Now we know this John's Gospel chapter 4 very well because that is the place where Jesus met with the Samaritan woman and talked to her about many things. And um, when we look into the word of God, Jesus gives some importance to this group of people who are being literally looked down by the Jews. Now, who are these Samaritans? We have to do a bit of uh, history. You know, we, we know that uh, God promised the Israelites of the promised land, the land of Canaan and under the leadership of Moses and under the leadership of Joshua, they came down to this land of Canaan and uh, Joshua actually literally he allotted, you know, the, he, you know, to each and every tribe he gave the place, this is your lot and uh, this is your lot. And it was one piece of land and it was ruled by King Saul later and then after that followed by King David. Okay. 
Now, David had a, had a son, the Solomon, and during this time of Solomon, we find that there begins to be some sort of a, a pockets of resistance. You know, during the time of Solomon, it's not that the whole land of Canaan, the Israel, was under his control, but there were pockets of resistance here and there. And uh, during the later time of this Solomon's reign, there was one man by name uh, Jeroboam. He is uh, called uh, Jeroboam. And he literally, he was quite a talented person. And so Solomon took him and made him in charge of some sort of a high uh, military position. But then later on, he began to have a fear that this man will rebel against and take over the whole kingdom. And so he wanted, uh, you know, this Jeroboam, he wanted to get rid of the Jeroboam, and Jeroboam fled to Egypt. And uh, that ends the Solomon's reign. And then came uh, Solomon's son, he, that is Rehoboam. And there are two Boams, and, uh, you know, you get uh, confused with these two Boams. Solomon's son is Rehoboam. And the other person is Jeroboam. And these Bohoms never get along together. <laughs> you know, during the time of uh, Solomon's son reign, that is uh, Rehoboam, this Jeroboam came back and said, see, we have been doing all this in this land, and we want to reconcile with you. And we want to come and to serve you and to be a part of the kingdom. But this Rehoboam being young in his age, he consulted with those who are of his same age. And uh, he would not take the advice of the elderly, you know, God's servants. And he said, uh, no, if you want to come and join me, then this is the condition. But uh, for which this uh, Jeroboam could not accept. And they said, okay, we just give up and we go back to our place. And then what happened, a prophet of God met uh, Jeroboam and said, God is not pleased with this kingdom, this rulership of this Solomon and uh, the other person. But because of David's you know, faithfulness, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to still retain the kingdom of God, uh, kingdom Israel under David's uh, genealogy. But you will have 10 tribes under you and two will be under Solomon's son, Rehoboam. So then onwards, we find <coughs> the kingdom, it actually it, uh, you know, split into two. Then you have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Northern kingdom was called as the kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom was called the kingdom of Judah. So one piece of Israel now has become two. And during that time, we find that uh, <coughs> This Rehoboam, he saw that people, uh, this Jeroboam, sorry, you get mixed up. Okay, Jeroboam, he saw this people are going to Jerusalem to worship God. And he had a very you know, brilliant idea. Why should we let allow people go all the way to the kingdom of Judah to worship? Because later on, maybe they will be so influenced and be carried away that they may come and sort of you know, rebel against the whole thing. So we will build up a place of worship in the kingdom of Israel. So he made, actually, if you can turn over to 1 Kings chapter 12, 1 Kings chapter 12, we read this history about how this uh, 
place of worship came to first kings chapter 12 verse uh 20 or okay 29 yeah here we find that uh and actually in 28 it says he made two golden calves. You know, just like during the time of Moses and Aaron. He made two golden calves and he said to them, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold, your gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. He said one in Bethel and the other he put in Dan. And now this thing became a sin for the, peop for the people went to worship before the ones as far as Dan. Not only that, he also made priests who were not in the tribe of, from the tribe of Levi. He says in verse 31, and he made houses on high places and made priests from among all the people who were not of the sons of Levi. You can see how there's a decline in the spiritual uh, you know, setup of the Israelites. Okay, now God was not pleased with this. With this you know, the idol, idol worship is not the ideal worship. So God was not pleased with this idol worship because God is very strict about the, about the glory. He will not share his glory to anyone. So he, he, the commandment was cl very clearly given. You should not make any idols in any form. But this one became a sin and a snare for the Israelites. So in the days to come, God brought the judgment. And these this 10 tribes, literally they were taken captive by Assyrians. So the Assyrians came, took the whole, that uh, the kingdom of Israel, kingdom of Judah was still going on. And um, kingdom of uh, Israel was taken captive by the Assyrians and he took most of the, you know, the intellectuals and all those professionals, all those people, he took them to his kingdom. And he left the poor ones and the downtrodden ones in the land. And not only that, this king of Assyria, he brought his own people from different places and brought them to this land of Israel and settled them there. So these people, they, when they came to the land of Israel, they brought all the form of their religion, their worship. And then what they did, they saw this, you know, the, suddenly they find that um, there's a lot of judgment, lions coming and eating up and all that, and uh, they did not understand. So they complained to the king and he said, okay, let some of the priests go over there and teach, teach them what to do. And there became a spiritual mix-up. It was literally a confused spiritual state. There were idols and there were also worshipping Jehovah. So then these Samaritans literally were people who were of the mixed race. You know, the people who came from outside they intermarried the people who were in the land of Israel, and that's how the Samaritans came up. So now you have the history. The Samaritans were literally looked down by the Jews to such an extent that uh, if you see the map of Israel, uh, if you, from Jerusalem you had to go over to the north, you had to go through Samaria. But these Jews were so, they load the Samaritans so much that they won't go through Samaria, but they will rather take a longer route uh, to, to bypass the place of Samaria. 
and not only that they won't even mention the name samaritan because it was like you know very very uh, disgusting to them somebody said it was worse than a swine to the jew you know you know i think you will understand this <laughs> it was such a state in that was the situation when jesus came into the scenario when jesus came there were jews and there were samaritans and these samaritans were literally set aside and they were looked down but jesus had a very a soft corner for the samaritans so with that as our background we are going to see some four truth that jesus taught the jews using the samaritans four vital truth from the uh, the spiritual truth that jesus taught to the jews through the samaritans let us first take to john chapter 4 verse 9 the first the verse that we read john chapter 4 verse 9 rather we can note it down is from verse 7 to 26 is a long passage john chapter 4 verses from 7 to 40 26 but we know the conversation we are going to take few verses from that only okay now jesus comes through samaria and he feels tired physically he feels tired and uh, he wanted to rest and uh, the the disciples had gone to buy some food and during that time jesus was resting in the the well in a well and the samaritan woman comes then begins the conversation and uh, this samaritan woman says we used to worship in this mount gerizim now samaritans had a place of worship in on mount gerizim in you know, mount gerizim as you know is a mount from which moses said uh, i think six tribes will stand on mount gerizim and six tribes of israel will stand on mount ebal and there will be a blessing and curses that mount gerizim was a place of blessing so in the later on the the history says that literally a temple was built on this mount gerizim they say it was during the time of uh, nehemiah and ezra because there was people who were against the building of the temple of god in jerusalem so this place mount gerizim became a place of worship for the samaritans So this woman says we our father used to worship here in the mount gerizim but you say we must go to jerusalem and must go and worship in jerusalem so the conversation is going on and now let us read one verse uh, verse 10 john chapter 4 verse 10 Jesus answered her if you knew the gift of god and who it is that asks you for a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water Okay, here Jesus said, "If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, 'Give me a drink,' you would have asked Him, and He would have given you living water." Now, actually, in this verse, what Jesus is telling is, there is a gift of God that God wants to give to each everyone, and that gift of God comes through a person whom God has sent down. and that gift of god you can is is called the living water the experience of living water otherwise we can say jesus is putting the gospel in a nutshell god says jesus says god wants to give a gift and time has come when people will begin to experience that gift till now you could not able to experience the gift of god the gift of god is eternal life the salvation 
we read that in Ephesians chapter 2 and also in Romans chapter 6. The gift of God is eternal life, the salvation. Jesus said the gift of God is to be given to all and that gift of God is being given to a person whom God has sent, that is he himself. And that gift of God is called also known as the eternal life, the uh, living water. Now salvation is a gift of God. The gift of God, the salvation is for every one of us. Even though Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman there, but we know that Jesus died on the cross for all of us. When John saw Jesus walking there, then he looked at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Sins of the world. And he is the Savior. And it's quite strange to see in the same chapter, John's chapter 4, you know, in the in uh, verses John chapter 4, He says this, uh, the woman says that uh, Jesus is the savior of the world. Not the woman, the people in Samaria, they come and say that Jesus, that he is the savior of the world. Um, verse 42. Verse 42, thank you. Thank you, Jimima. They yeah. said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Now here he says he is the savior of the world. We find that Jesus came and died for every one of us. Now so somebody put it like this very clearly. If we want to be a Christian, then you have to be, you have to be born in Christ. Being born in a Christian family doesn't make you a Christian. And he gave a wonderful illustration, this back, back there in Brunei. He said, uh, you know, the, they are a young couple and they had a wonderful baby, new baby born in the hospital. And you know that uh, <coughs> there it's a lot of these Muslims. And there the adoption is very easy and they, people like to adopt children. You know? So one of the nurses came and said, oh, you have a, such a wonderful baby boy. Can I adopt this child? And he said, no way. <laughs> this is a God-given child to me. Then he quoted that as an example and said, if, I mean, if, it's just a scenario. In case, if I had given my child to be adopted by that lady, she being a Muslim, that child will be brought up as a Muslim. Even though he was born to us Christians, but if he's adopted into another faith, then he'll be brought up in that faith. So being born in a Christian family will never make you a Christian. Just a label, just a name. Maybe it's useful when you go and fill up the forms. You know, they ask you religion. Then you have to write up Christian. But doesn't make you Christian at all. You need to be born in Christ. And here we find that, uh, here Jesus says, the gift of God is eternal life, eternal life. And uh, then I am the savior. I am the savior. And apart from Jesus Christ, there is no salvation at all. 
and this is one truth we have to understand very clearly jesus is not one of the gods you know sometimes in our in our place in india we have this jesus as one of the gods but jesus is not one of the gods he is the only god and we find the god sent jesus to die for us on the cross so man's salvation just depends on jesus christ that's why in acts chapter 4 verses 11 and 12 acts chapter 4 verses 11 and 12 it says very clearly there is no other name given under heaven or on earth apart from the name of jesus by which we shall be saved there is no name given it is not for christians it is for the whole mankind if a man has to be saved it is only by jesus christ so that is why god has given us the responsibility to share the gospel to others to tell about the savior to others okay and um, then jesus says i will give the living water and what is this living water we also read in um, in uh, john chapter 7 where he says he who believes in me uh he will not thirst not only that he says uh come and uh drink from me that i give you the living water he who believes in me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water this born again if i say christian life it may be a misnomer it may be misleading because we all are christians but this born again spiritual life is a life full of life and is a living water experience you know we have a wonderful verse in the end of our, the bible in revelation where it says out of the throne of god flows a river and wherever it goes it brings forth healing and blessings and prosperity that is the spiritual life that god is giving us that is the living water wherever we go the life flows out from us and this is nothing but the life of god himself in john chapter 15 verse 5 jesus is speaking about this uh, uh you know this uh, grave the vineyard the the vine and the branches and he says uh, can somebody read verse 5 john 15:5 i am the vine you are the branches if a man remains in me and i in him he will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing so i am the vine and you are the branches literally he says my sap is the one that keeps you alive it is my sap which gives you the very character of myself so we find in peter when writing to his the in his epistles i think in second peter i think he says you have been is a blessedness of being partaking of the divine nature you know you have been called to partake of this divine nature that is when you are born in god and with god you begin to grow and show forth his character and that is what literally we can say is the living water so jesus is telling this woman you have a gift of god that is salvation and that salvation comes only through the savior and that salvation is the living water which begins to flow and reach others which literally that woman did isn't it she went and told the samaritan the all the friends and the relatives come and see the person who has shown me everything who has told me everything and he is the savior and uh, so first thing that we learn from this um, uh, samaritan woman experiences 
salvation. We also have a two, one verse in Isaiah chapter 50, in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, and uh, verse chapter 17 and 13. You can, if anybody note it down, you can note it down. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, and Jeremiah 17, 13, where God says, I am the living water, but you have not come to me. He has said, me, I said, I am the living water. So God himself, his life, that is his life is the living water. Okay? So now we go to the second experience, the second truth that Jesus uh, says to the Jews about with connected with the Samaritans. That is, let us read uh, Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 18. This is a very, again, is a big passage. Here, Jesus is going through, and uh, again, it's going uh, so close to Samaria, and uh, there are some lepers. How many of them? Ten lepers. So the ten lepers, they come to Jesus and say, Lord, have mercy on us, and we want healing. Can I heal us of this leprosy? And Jesus, out of his uh, compassion and out of his love, he tells them, you go, show forth to the priest that how yourself, and then uh, that you are healed. And then uh, 10 of them are very happy that they are healed. And then something happens. You know, let us read verse uh, 16 and 17. L Luke 17, verses 16 and 17. Here, again, we find the Samaritan. Uh, some verses are very, you know, specific. It says, that man is a Samaritan. The emphasis is on the word Samaritan, okay. Ten of them were healed, but nine of them did not come back to say, or oh, thank God, but only one man came, and that man was Samaritan. Now, what is Jesus actually, you know, Jesus was telling to the others, what he's saying is, you know, we, 10 of them were healed, but there's no gratitude. There's only one man came back, and that, and that is a Samaritan, and where are the nine? This actually, we can say, speaks about the praising God. You know, it's quite, um, you know, when you read the verse, you say, where are the nine? That means God expects your thanksgiving. God expects your thanksgiving. You know, in uh, Psalms chapter 33, verse 1, Psalms 33, verse 1, it says, uh, praises or thanksgiving befits the righteous. Right? In uh, Psalms 33, verse 1. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. If you are a righteous, when I say righteous, if you are a born-again believer in Christ, then it's fitting for you to praise God. It's not something strange. It's not something that you go out of the way to do, but it is a part of your life. Praising God becomes a part of our life. And that's what God expects our thanksgiving, and God expects us to praise him. 
and not only that uh, we read that god deserves and he is worthy to be praised and god deserves praise and he created us for his glory so that we shall show forth his praises in isaiah chapter 43 verse 21 it says i have created them so that they may able to show forth my glory or to praise god to glorify god and not only that it also says that in psalms 22 verse 3 says that god inhabits in the praises of israel okay so we know that all this you know regarding praise we know many things you know god expects our praise that is that is what we learn from this particular incident about the samaritan god is expecting your thanksgiving and uh, you know we may ask uh, like what should i praise god for or thank for so many things you know literally there are so many things we can praise god for first thing is our salvation first and the foremost thing that you can praise and thank god is for your salvation because we were not at all worthy for the salvation we do not deserve the salvation it's purely god's grace if at all you think that um, you know mm, is a god is because of god's grace that we have to praise god if we maybe we we have not understood fully let us keep that aside at least you must praise god for his mercy because mercy is not getting what we deserve you know <clears throat> there is something called i just um, used to call it a common grace common grace is for every man and woman who created by god the saving grace is different but the common grace is for everyone because god is you know somewhere in matthew chapter 5 i think it says god is good to the good as well as to the evil you know because if god has created us god gives so many things for us to live in this world and uh, if at all god were to turn his face away from us for a moment we do not know where we will be you know the reason why i say that is you know uh, uh you know i don't know if you have seen this picture of this yemen you know yemen not the yemen in tamil yemen what is in english i don't know what is in english yemen okay have you seen the picture of yemen no yemen is that's the maybe the angel of death you know he's covered uh, you know and then he's got a big uh, you know weapon you know his uh, rope or uh, yeah somehow this uh, skite i think all it is like a weapon just just chop off death, death, angel. death angel yes death angel he is literally coming behind every person to snatch but it is god's grace which is keeping you alive if only god were to turn his face away for a minute he will snatch your soul because he has got a place ready for you but god would not god has given you the grace a grace we can say is a grace period so that you can able to see the salvation of god so we have to keep in mind if i am alive it is his mercy if i am saved it is his grace i do not deserve to be grace saved but god has saved me and i do not deserve to be alive but god's grace and mercy is keeping me alive 
so we have to praise god as believers we you know it's worship and thanksgiving becomes a part of our life if you remember in the old testament in during the time of moses there was a battle with the israel between israel and the amalekites and um, moses went up to the mountain and uh, the battle is being fought with uh, under the leadership of joshua and moses went up and uh, then moses was keeping his both hands raised and uh, after you know sometimes as we worship god for a sometime and then put your hands down because we get tired same so just moses put down his hand and the moment he put down his hand what happened the amalekites began to you know win so then uh, there were two persons along with moses aaron and her her or hur i don't know hur her okay there were two persons along with moses and they told moses moses you sit down so aaron took her you know took one hand and uh, hur or her uh, hur is it hur or her hur okay hur okay hur <laughs> hur took the other hand and both of them you know made moses to sit in a stone and they were holding it up when they, as they were holding the hands up the israelites began to win and that's very now good incident that is in the bible and uh, i was just thinking what actually this aaron and hur what do they stand for that i realize aaron's ministry is intercession between god and man interceding for man on behalf of and to god and uh, god's behalf to man and hur is actually is from the tribe of judah it literally we can say it is the praise and prayer is a prayer and praise which brought victory to the israelites we say that um, you know judah is stands for praise right so in our life also we have to remember it has to be always prayer and praise together our praise and praises must be mingled each must be you know saturated with each other when paul writing to his uh, in his epistles to the churches to colossians and to the uh, i think ephesians he says take all your things to the lord and with thanksgiving that's what he says right he says with thanksgiving let it known unto god and then the peace of god which ruleth passeth beyond passeth beyond understanding will fill your hearts and mind in christ so praise becomes a part of our life so that is the second truth that jesus is teach, teaching the jews through this samaritan first one was about salvation and second truth through the samaritan is the praise thirdly we move on to the next verse we read in luke chapter 10 verse 33 luke chapter 10 verse 33 Luke. but a samaritan as he traveled came where the man was and when he saw him he took pity on him okay this is a well known passage it is called the good samaritan okay now the the reason for this parable is a jew lawyer he comes to jesus and asks 
Jesus said, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Then Jesus says, you being a lawyer, you know the laws. And what do you think does the law say? And then the man says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love neighbor as yourself. And then uh, Jesus says, yes, that's right. You have very well, you have answered a very good. You've given a very good answer. We are close to the kingdom of God. And uh, then he says, who is my neighbor? When this Jew lawyer asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus begins to give this parable. He says in the parable, we know that he speaks about how you need to be a, you know, is the whole parable is about loving a neighbor. <clears throat> now, loving the neighbor is, uh, is not something that is in the New Testament, it's in the Old Testament also, because if you see the commandments of God, the Ten Commandments, right? We know that uh, we have the Ten Commandments. But uh, before that, I would like to read one verse in Matthew 22, verse Matthew 22, verses 39 and 40. Matthew 22, 39 and 40. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two command, commandments. Okay, here again it's literally the same, like the same uh, passage. It says, on these two literally hangs all the law and the prophets. That's what it says, right? In uh, 40, uh, 20. Yeah, on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Now they say the Jewish law, it has got about 613 laws. Well, I, I'm not sure, but they say it's about 613 laws. Torah. <coughs> and I'm sure there must have been a lot, lot of bylaws by the in-laws. <laughs> okay. And they had so much of these laws. But here Jesus says, you have about a bunch of law, but all these laws you put together... The whole law depends on just two laws. That is called love God and love your neighbor. When we say we can't remember the 613 laws, but we do remember the Ten Commandments, right? If you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments is to about how we have to love God. And the rest of the uh, command, the Six Commandments speaks about how you have to love your relationship with your neighbor. So love God and love your neighbor. In this hangs all the whole law and commandments. So we find loving is literally, is basically is a vital spiritual necessity for a believer. When you look at the Bible, you know, there are certain things the Bible emphasizes. When it comes to faith, Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. So no faith, you can't please God. And when it comes to holiness, without holiness, no man shall dash, dash, dash. See God. See the importance God is giving to certain things. You know holiness, you cannot see God. And when it comes to forgiveness, if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. If you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. God is quite clear about it. 
And when it comes to humbleness and humility, he says, God gives grace to the humble but raises the proud. The same line, he speaks about love also. He says, if you don't have love, John says, John is the uh, apostle of love, right? So John says in his epistle, if you don't love, literally you do not know God. If you turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, John's epistle, just before Revelation, John's epistle, chapter 4, verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. He says, whoever does not love does not know God. I, as a believer, if I'm not able to love somebody else, then literally I have not known God fully. I am yet to realize, yet to know him fully. That's what I would say. And, uh, and also in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the famous chapter of love, he says there are three things that are important, faith, love, and hope, but the greatest is love. <clears throat> and he says, if I don't have love, I am just like an empty you know, vessel being you know, beaten up, boom, boom. Empty, nothing, literally you don't have anything. So love is uh, one of the vital truths that Jesus is teaching to the uh, uh, Jews through the using the Samaritan. And it is quite interesting to see, after telling that uh, parable, Jesus is asking that Jesus specifically mentioned, first a priest came and he went away, then came a Levite and he also just passed by, and then came a Samaritan. Jesus very clearly mentioned the name Samaritan. And then Jesus is asking the lawyer, you know, the pretend to Luke chapter 10, it says, the lawyer, Jesus asking, um, where is it? Luke. Yeah, Jesus asking, which of these three yeah, which, uh, verse 36. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? Now, if you were in that position, what, what will be your answer? You know, if Jesus is telling that to you, and Jesus is telling that first year priest came and he went by, and the Levite came, he also went by, then came a Samaritan. And then Jesus says, which of the three do you think proved to be a neighbor? What will you say? Oh, that Samaritan. You know, we'll say, yeah, that Samaritan. But this Jew lawyer, he wouldn't say that. You see what he says? He said, the one who showed mercy to him, the, the person who was beaten up. You can see how much this Samaritan, the very word Samaritan was disgusting to the Jews. But Jesus is telling them, you need to love them. And uh, it's quite interesting. You know, when Jesus says you have to love your neighbor, the Greek word for the word love is called agape. Now, Peter denied Jesus three times. So then Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? How many times did he ask? Yes, thrice. Sometimes we think because he denied three times, so Jesus wants him to realize that, and so Jesus is asking three times. Well, I don't know, but I have a different, uh, you know, I understood it differently. First time Jesus is asking, Peter, do you love me? 
then peter says yes lord i love you now the when jesus says do you love me the word that jesus uses is agape peter do you love me with this agape love then peter replies lord i love you but that is a lower love that is called philos yes lord i love you but that is not what jesus expected and that is not what jesus wanted from him so jesus ask again peter do you love me again he uses the word agape then peter said yes lord i love you again he, peter could not come up to that level well we can't we um, we can't blame peter we had to pity peter because, <laughs> because he didn't have the pentecostal experience <laughs> yes the bible says in romans chapter 5 god has poured out his love into our hearts through the holy spirit so when we say we are a born again spiritual person then you are bound to show forth this agape love to everyone it's not just uh, you know i love you the filio filio type of love but the agape sacrificial love that is the love actually jesus was expecting from peter and that is the love subsequently we read in the later god wants us to show forth that agape love to others and this agape love can come only when we have the spirit of god only the holy spirit and give us to manifest or to show forth such agape love with our own human effort we will never come up to that level okay so first we saw about salvation then the second truth was about praise and thanksgiving and the third truth was about is about love and we go to the final truth that uh, is quite important in uh, turn to luke chapter 9 we turn to luke chapter 9 verses 51 to 54 luke chapter 9 verses 51 to 54 as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven jesus resolutely set out for jerusalem and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a samaritan village to get things ready for him but the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for jerusalem when the disciples james and john saw this they asked lord do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them okay. nice passage here again back to samaritans and we don't we know about the samaritans we learn the background the who they were and who they are and now he says uh if you remember this jesus meeting the samaritan woman was in the beginning of his ministry and uh, in john chapter 4 if you read if you continue to read he says that jesus literally went to the samaritan that uh, place and he stayed there for a few days now if you read that passage john chapter 4 it will say the samaritans they requested jesus to come and stay there and jesus stayed with them for a few days and literally he should have taught many things there also okay now here we come here jesus wants to go to jerusalem now as you know the map he has to come through samaria samaria again and while coming through samaria jesus sent two of his disciples that is uh, james and uh, john 
yeah james and john these are the sons of thunder you know that's what the bible says. sons of thunder right james and john he sent two of them to the village of samaria and uh, tell them to prepare a place for him maybe just for a short break to rest while on the way but samaritans they you know when they learned that jesus is not going to stay but he is only going to pass through they said no 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 we will not we don't want this sort of treatment from jesus okay and uh, they said no we can't let him go and um, what do we understand from this is when it comes to do the will of god it is very important for us to keep our uh, face you know focused on the will of god even though jesus loved the samaritans he stayed with them already there for a few days and all that but now the focus of jesus is to go to jerusalem because it is there that he is going to die on the cross so the very purpose of jesus is come to do the will of god and the will of god is that he should go to jerusalem and die on the cross for the sins of the world in order to fulfill that will and jesus is going and then the samaritans are there but jesus would not you know come down from his commitment to do the will of god in order to please the samaritans jesus is teaching the jews as well as the samaritans to do the will of god is more important than the relationship and the emotional feelings and uh, there's one uh, this particularly that phrase is very in a, you know is right uh verse 53 verse 53 but the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for jerusalem uh, i think that translation is not doesn't give a punch you know is there any other translation that can give a punch journeying with his face resolute huh? his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem that's another verse and I think says resolution he was resolute is anybody have that huh 50 oh yeah this is here also that's yes as yeah, the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven jesus resolutely set resolutely, out for jerusalem that's good, that's good. yeah jemima has got it again now that resolutely set his face that means for me the will of god is more important than the relationships and the emotional feelings that is very very important for us to know <coughs> yeah now god's will does not necessarily should be in line with you know uh with uh, others expectation you know uh others expect you to do this way and that way and this way but god's will might be different so it not necessary what people expect you to do you have to do but you have to do god's will and um this is very important uh, as we know jesus said not uh, just merely calling lord lord is not sufficient but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven so doing god's will is very very important and uh, somebody uh, said uh, there's a book Uh, about god's will 
how to know god's will you know there's a book how to know god's will if you want uh, you know you can give your names i will send it by post and many people gave their names and they all received the bible <laughs> <laughs> nothing teaches more clearly than knowing god's will you know the it says in um, psalms chapter 32 verse 8 Psalms chapter 32 verse 8 Psalms chapter 32 verse 8 I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go I will counsel you and watch over you That is God's promise for you You know uh when we are when children are learning to walk you know you don't expect them to walk in the straight line no they just drift here and there but we just help them isn't it the same manner as we are growing in the lord when we tend to grow when we tend to go this way or that way but god will correct us god will gently guide us and correct us now um, we can't uh, we cannot uh, overnight learn all the will of god and do every will of god correctly according to god's expectation no even when we go wrong then god can set those things right because god is looking at our heart you know because our in our heart we have a desire to honor him to thank him and to live for him in that situation if you take one step out of the way god will bring you back to it so that is god's will no you don't have to worry about what is god's will in this and this no you just have a first you have a mind to put god first in everything when you put god first in everything all these things will all these things will uh, will settle down yeah all these things will be okay that's what we just have a mind to god first in my life and uh, you know a few years ago while talking to another family and uh, it was a very very interesting uh, conversation and experience and they said uh, we have a neighbor and they are very you know they are uh, they move in the prophecy and prophetic ministry and all that and uh, in the morning breakfast you know they will make some maybe idli for morning breakfast and then the there's a woman there there's a one sister there she will pray and she says yes yes this is what we need to eat for breakfast and literally i'm not uh, you know adding up all you know maybe i'm taking telling less but not adding up okay <laughs> said if the god says this is not our breakfast then they say literally the family will just put every throw everything away and it was very very surprising and strange to hear but i do not know how many of us we go to some you know prophets to learn about god's will you know we want to know what is god's will regarding this area and there are so many you know 24 hours prayer lines and the first thing is you pray for it and you pray about it then you can request for your church because this uh, bible says bear each other's burden and pray for one another so request in the church to pray for one another 
So we have to learn God's will. And um, here, you know, this John and James, I said, mentioned they are the sons of thunder. You know, they actually, John was very furious. He said, Lord, let me pray for this fire to come and, you know, zoom, consume this Samaritan people. But then uh, <laughs> Jesus says, you have a different kind of spirit, is it? But the same man, the same John, after the Pentecost, he goes to Samaria to, for the filling of the Holy Spirit. It is quite interesting if you turn to Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Acts chapter 8, verse 5 onwards. Samaritan, uh, after Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria was the next uh, place where gospel began to you know, give fruit. And uh, as people were beginning to believe there, through Philip the evangelist, the word was sent to the apostles in Jerusalem. And then the apostles, they sent two persons, that is Peter and John. They go and pray for them. Can somebody read that verse? That Peter and John pray for the people to be received of the Holy Spirit. Ah uh, uh, yes, yeah. Peter and John actually. It's Peter and John, very John who was telling Lord the zeal with you know let the fire come down. He, now he's praying for the Holy Spirit fire. <laughs> so if you see how people are changed, that is the will of God. It's not that uh, you know we have to do things which out of emotion and out of our zeal, but wait for the God's word and the time and the place then you will be blessed and uh, <clears throat> so we have learned four vital truth and just as i said jesus had a soft corner for the samaritans and through the samaritans he's telling the jews this four vital truth and i praise god and god will continue to speak to us Praise God. You've learned very powerful truths from the Gospels as Jesus taught the disciples and the people. The apostles, um, as they went about after the time of Christ, progressing the Gospel and planting churches and new places, people were saved and came to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And then it uh, was required and led by the Spirit of God to record the teachings of Jesus. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke and John write the Gospels as teaching materials for the churches. It, interestingly, the epistles were written before the Gospels were written. The Gospels are written later on. Although it is arranged as the Gospels first and the Epistles later uh, in the New Testament, the timing of the writing was after the Gospel spread into Gentile regions and many came to know Jesus. And as the first generation eyewitnesses of the life and the teachings of Christ, as they were fading away, you know, leaving this world, and as the second and the third generation was coming up, the Gospels were written, led by the Holy Spirit, 
to authenticate the teachings of Jesus and to give in writing what Jesus taught and did so that the churches would be established in the teachings of Jesus. And so these gospels were written probably from 60 AD to about 90, 95 AD. And then John wrote Revelation. And so in the same manner as it was in the first century, as the teachings of Jesus were rightly handed down to the early church believers, the teachings from the gospels, the teachings of Christ have been handed down to us this morning. Very clearly and very accurately. And so it's important for us to take these words, the teachings of Christ, and apply it to our lives. Amen? Praise God. Shall we stand together and pray that God will give us a grace to live according to his word. As Jesus taught the Jews through the way he dealt with the Samaritans. Let us pray that these lessons that were taught to them was not just for the Jew alone, but were written down and passed on to the Jews and the Gentile churches. And it continues to be the teachings that we also need to hold on to and follow. And let's pray, Lord, give us the grace. Give me the grace. To follow every one of these lessons that you taught when you were on this earth. And the Spirit of God takes the words of Jesus and makes them known to us. And the Spirit has done that work this morning through God's servant. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank and praise you for these powerful lessons that we have learned this morning. Lord, the gift of salvation that you have given to us. We recognize that the living waters, Lord, that we need to receive that living waters for healing and deliverance. Salvation flows from the living waters. And Lord, that which you gave to the Samaritans. Lord, that it was not necessary for them to go up to the mountain, but everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord in spirit and in truth will be saved. And such are the worshippers that you are seeking for. Not for those who will go to a particular place or Lord go back to the past traditions. But to those who would worship you in spirit and in truth and who Lord would be saved. And Father we Lord thank and praise you because we are saved this morning. We are saved from sin. We are saved from destruction. We thank you, Jesus, for the living waters that have come and reached out to us. And we pray that out of our belly will flow the same living waters and reach out to many others, O oh Father, that many who are lost in this world will be saved also through our lives. Hallelujah. That wherever we go, those living waters will flow through us. We thank you, Lord, that you've taught us to praise and pray and worship and have a heart of thanksgiving for all that you have done to bring glory and honor to your name. We thank you for teaching us, Lord, to Lord love one another, to love God and to love one another. Lord, we pray that you give us a heart of love. Take away every attitude of pride and hatred and, Lord, resentment. 
we pray that anything that lord brings lord uh, lack of love we pray that will leave us in jesus name we pray that the love of god will be poured out into our hearts by the holy spirit and father we also pray that your will shall be accomplished that we will be resolute to fulfill your will and not be driven by emotions and lord as uh, john lord uh, and the disciples lord were wanting to call fire from heaven we pray that we will not be filled with such a spirit another spirit a spirit of indignation and anger but lord a spirit that will call upon the fire of the holy spirit to engulf people's hearts and lives we pray that you pour out into our hearts a heart of love and compassion that we will be lord we will have the resolve to do your will and your will alone that we will not be driven by people's opinions or by public opinion oh father thank you jesus give us your grace to follow these commands and these truths that have been handed down to the churches by the apostles and even by your servant this morning to us we thank you for lord opening our eyes of understanding and exposing us to the truth we pray that we will absorb the truth into our hearts that we will imbibe the truth into our lives and lord put it to practice oh father for those who put it to practice lord that you will honor them and say good and faithful servant enter into my rest father we pray that we will lord be a people who will live by your word and live by the teachings of your word that we will not abandon the teachings and not only just go to you for miracles and lord blessings and prosperity alone but we will lord hold on to the teachings that have been given to us lord father we pray your blessing that establish us in your word establish us in the truth establish us in the teachings of scriptures may our life center around the word of god help us to rally around the truth every day in every situation in all the practical situations of life help us to lord apply these truths in real life every moment that we will not be just hearers of the word but be doers of the word grant such a grace for every one of us we pray let your name be glorified in jesus mighty name we pray amen